July 18th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin on Dafsadidale Damud Aleph. If you count from the top, it's 11 lines down. We'll return to this. The Gemara cited a pasuk. It's a pasuk which is cited from Sefer Yeshayahu, and there's something strange and unique about this pasuk that you won't find, to the best of my knowledge, in any other pasuk in Torah, Nevim, and Ketubim, and that is that the second letter of the first word in this pasuk, Limarbe, which has that mem, generally speaking, the mem in the middle of a word will be what we call patuach. It'll be open, it's not a closed box. If you look at the word in, well, its original text, I know we don't generally speaking have klaf with the original text of quote-unquote nevi'im, but if you were to have a klaf of nevi'im and you were to be reading from it, you would find, and you'll find it on the side of your page, that the ketib, the way that according to tradition this pasuk is supposed to be written, is what that mem, uh, where we would have that as a regular quote-unquote middle of the word mem, it's written as a mem sofit, which is very strange. So the word lemarbe, that second letter, the mem, is a closed mem. And of course the hachamim looking at this and accepting it as tradition want to understand some sort of message and meaning that's underlain with that letter in the word. The context is the words of God to or the words of Yeshaya from God to Hizkiyah HaMelech. And Hizkiyah, who was a very important king, a very good king, but had uh, difficult times up above or uh, up ahead. And so the Pasuk says, Lemarbe HaMisra Shalom En Ketz. It's a description of good things that uh, Hizkiyah has. Marbe HaMisra, much power. Shalom En Ketz, peace. Uh, to, with no end. That's fantastic things. Says Gemara Amar Bitanhum Darash Bar Kapara Bisipori Mepenema Kol Mem Shebeem Sateba. I know the Syrians oftentimes say Mim, but I don't know. I was raised and reared on saying Mem. I'll blame it on my uh, either family or school. So we're going to say Mem. Mepenema Kol Mem Shebeem Sateba Patuah Vezesatum. Why is it that generally speaking, 99.9% of the time, the mem in the middle of a word is quote-unquote open, but this one is that closed box? So, say the hachamim, let's understand something. In context, Bikesh HaKadosh Baruch La'asot Hizkiyahu Mashiach V'Sanherev Gog Umagog So to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will at this time was to make Hizkiyahu HaMelech the Melech HaMashiach was, so to speak, to bring the end of times at that juncture, Hizkiyahu, as the Hachamim will envision and describe to us, was a person who brought Israel to Torah, Mitzvot, to Emunah, and connectedness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He was the primary uh, prospect, the best prospect for Mashiach uh, position, and as a result, he wanted Hizkiyahu to be Mashiach, and Sanherev, of course, the foe of Hizkiyahu at that time, he would be Melech Gog, of Magog, it's a, it's a prophecy in Yechezkel, and we're going to read it not too long from now, in which the end of times is envisioned by the Navi and described to us by Yechezkel as being preceded by a war against a king and a nation, the Gog Umagog. So here it is. At this juncture, Hezkiah has brought us to a point, Sanherev on the other side, to that point as well, during which, so to speak, God almost wills it or sees it appropriate for Mashiach and the foe, the Gog Umagog. Of course, there's no one speaking to God, certainly not the entity of judgment, but it's quote-unquote the inner workings of judgment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Midat Adin, the strict letter of the law, the rigidity of law of judgment states 
audaciously in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ribbono shel olam, umad David Melech Yisrael, shamar kama shirot v'tishpechot lefanecha, lo asito mashia, chizkiya, sheasita lo kol hanisim halalu, velo amar shira lefanecha, ta'asehu mashia. The claim is, well, David HaMelech, you didn't do that many uh, miracles, you didn't uh, twist nature all that much for him, and nonetheless, he has books and uh, psalms filled with praise for you. We have Tehillim, we have the words of David in which he sang your praise. Hezkiyahu, you're bringing him up against Sanherev. You've cured him, as Rashi points out, from his illness as well, from his shechin, on which he was uh, bedridden and uh, near death, and he was told that he was going to die, but you miraculously cured him. And Hezkiyahu, nonetheless, we have no reference, no mention of a song that he sang to you. He's going to be mer- he's going to be deemed Melech Hamashiach lekach. It's for that reason nistatim miyad. It was closed off immediately. Quote unquote. That closed mem in the pasuk is demonstrating one of or a third, but one of the following two options. Rashi says either it's the closed mouth of Hezekiah. He couldn't sing, so the closed mem. That's why he lost quote unquote the opportunity to be Melech Hamashiach. Am Yisrael squandered the opportunity in that uh, during that time period. Or alternatively, the kids, the end time quote unquote was closed off as well. The opportunity which God had seen in that moment at that time was closed off. As we mentioned last week very briefly, Shira in Torah is often if not always associated with understanding and realizing the end and the completion of something. When you see the circle fully closed, that's when you sing the song, the Shira Tayam at the end of uh, servitude in Egypt, the Shira Taber, and just a parashar two ago, parashat Hukat at the end of our march through the desert 40 years, Shira Devorah at the end of the conquest in Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Kenan. Shira means I understand, I feel, I envision how God brought this all together. If Hezkiah is not able to quote-unquote sing at that time period, it means his vision, his perspective is flawed, it's askew, and as a result, he's not the right person. That's in my mind why the Hachamim pick up and specify the song. It's not so to speak that he's so deficient other than a proper perspective for the individual who's going to represent that end time and perspective. Says the Gemara in that in that moment, the ground, so to speak, opens up its mouth and speaks. Does ground, do, do inanimate objects speak? Um, even though atonot might speak, as we read in last week's parashat ground, we don't have really speaking. We do have in parashat bereshit, called so the ground, so to speak, opened its mouth in parashat korach as well, and it's crying out. How do we explain that? What is it that the rabbis have in mind when they talk about ground speaking? And uh, as I understand it in its most a basic sense, I know there is no basic and uh, simple over here, but uh, there's a certain, um, there's a certain uh, ex- existential reality, and that is that we and nature uh, have, have this general trajectory and march through existence. And as a result, as God's will is performed and fulfilled throughout, we hopefully are playing our part while all that surrounds us is playing its part as well. When the rabbis envision the ground speaking, it's so to speak 
uh, the existence, the uh, symbiosis of nature uh, taking its role and defending or offending. It's the same way the rabbis envision, quote-unquote, the trees rebelling against God. Of course, many of us are familiar with the Rashi in Parashat Bereshit, where he dis- demonstrates that. Or the moon, the Gemara and Masechet Hulin and Daf Samech, rebelling against God and as a result being diminished. Those are all descriptions of how human beings rebelled, quote-unquote, against God. And in turn, we can envision and see it through nature as well. What's that? We'll find ministering angels generally speak, but that's out of this world. You know what I'm saying? But but you're right. That's what we'll, That's the way we'll envision it. I'm just saying when we talk about ground speaking, it's more than anything how existence is proclaiming the counter perspective, and I, and I talk about that in an almost literal sense, but not actually with a mouth. Anyway, says the ground. The ground, the land, Eretz Yisrael, perhaps, uh, defends Hezekiah. I'll sing, and in turn, please proclaim and accept Hezekiah as Melech HaMashiach. And as a result, we have this Pasuk several chapters later, 15 Perakim later in Sefer Yeshayahu, in which the Pasuk says, Miknath Ha'aretz Zemirot Shama'anu, from the corners of the land, we heard songs. Sevi la sadik va omar razili razili oili bohedim bahadu beget bohedim bahadu. We're going to go through the entirety of the pasuk very quickly here in the Gemara, but initially the statement is Sevi la sadik. In the, uh, perhaps in Hebrew, certainly in Aramaic, Savi means the will of, the rason, and as a result, Sevi la sadik, amar sarha olam lefanav. And so here's the. Uh, Here's the Rabbi angle. It says the Gemara will describe it as a minister who's speaking. But again, a minister representative of the ground, which or the land, which in turn I'm suggesting is just the way life exists, certainly uh, domineered and, and directed by us and HaKadosh Baruch Do the will for this righteous one, of course, a reference to Hizkiah. The response to, quote-unquote, the Tsar, the ministering agent or angel of the ground, is, so this is God's response, Razili, Razili. Raz means a secret. This is, so to speak, the response of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that well-known Gemara Masech Menachot and elsewhere, in which Moshe, quote-unquote, turns to God and says, this is the punishment for Rabbi Akiva, the one who has studied Torah, who's able to be Doresh Ketz, every, every single uh, every single kot shel, uh, shel, every single crown of a letter, and what's God's response? Shetok. There are certain secrets in front of me that I hold on to. In other words, you won't be able to rationalize this. And that's the response in turn over here. Razili, Razili, I have my secret. I understand what your claim is. I understand you're pointing at Hizkiah and you're saying, well, he's a righteous one. Look at this nation. However, I'm telling you there are matters that don't meet your eyes, that won't fit into your mental capacity. Amar Navi, Yeshayahu, jumps into the mix and says, oily, oily. And as a result, that's the next words in the Pasuk, uh, well, one of the oilies. Admatai, until when? Was, you know, this is the, the Mordechai ben David, whoever it is, has that song. That's, that's where they got it from, I think. And it was, until when? That's what the, the Chabadniks, they love this. Admatai, until when? How long are we going to have to go through this difficult time? Have we not reached our capacity? Have we not risen to the heights that... 
Um, maybe our potential would lend itself to You should know there will be a twofold uh, assault of you. Uh, what does that mean? It's going to be first. There are those who take uh, the spoils, those who attack you and, and, and seize your possessions, but then anything that's left over will again be attacked and seized. In other words, there's more assaults, more, more fighting, more persecution that's up ahead. Again, what's the reason? Razili, Razili, it's my secret, it's my held clandestine plan as to why and how this is going to be elongated. But this is the hakamim and even the navi struggling with uh, how is it, what is it that we're to understand from existence and our vision of an end of days that the Navi talks about, but it not arriving, how will it arrive, how can it arrive, have we made it close? Razili, Razili, the best answer we can give and suggest is this is beyond our capacity. Says the Gemara onward being Doresh, different Pesukim in Yeshaya, just three Pirakim earlier, Masa Duma. As the Pasuk says, Masa Duma Elai Kore Miseir. Shomer mamilayla, shomer mamilem. So what is taking place in this pasuk? First and foremost, who is Duma? We might know this name, Duma. We know him from Halev, lo kol yorede, Duma. Who's Duma? In the eyes of the rabbis, really in the eyes of the Nevi'im, so this was their representative name for, quote-unquote, the guard, that's a Rabbi type of knowledge, the guard of Gehinom. That's how they envision the guard of spirits. That's who Duma was. It's a Gemara Masechet Hagiga makes this derasha as well. Amar Yohanan Otom Malach, Hamemune al haruchot, ruchot meaning spirits. Quote unquote, the angel, the representative of the spirits, is being envisioned as speaking over here. So we're going to visualize some sort of tale and circumstance where the defender, quote unquote, of the spirits is speaking to God, and that's the, his name is Duma. So what's the statement? Duma Shemo. So again, Marbi Yohanan Otomalach Memune Alaruchot Duma Shemo. His name is Duma. Nitkam Betsu Kolaruchot Etzel Duma. All the spirits, maybe the forsaken spirits, uh, gather around Duma and they say, Amerulo Shomer Mamilayla Shomer Mamilel Shomer. Shomer Yisrael, the vision is HaKadosh Baruch Hu is described as Shomer, that's Marsha injecting himself over here, Shomer is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and Laila is a vision of Galut, the darkness of exile. We say it in Sivichot? And there you are, so we have this, I happen to say it every Mosei Shabbat, there's an Ashkenazi custom to sing a song after Havdalah, and my mother used to sing it, my grandmother, and so on and so forth, so I, I know it even better. Uh, no, after Havdalah, uh, yeah, I don't know, when I go home, and we make Havdalah at home, and then, I don't know, afterwards, uh, so I guess it would be after V'yitein Lecha, but V'yitein Lecha is in the Knis, generally speaking. Anyway, anyway, Shomer Mamilada, Shomer Malnileil, it's a question of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how long is he keeping this Laila? Amar Shomer Ata Boker Vegam Laila. So this is the response, so to speak. Amar Shomer HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Ata Boker Vegam Laila. Morning, end of exile will come, but also darkness, night. Im Teva'ayun Be'ayu Shuvu Atayu. The pasuk continues, or the description here in the Gemara continues, and that is, it goes as follows, if you will it, if you want it, so request it. And repent, shuvu, and then he will come. 
Uh, the statement in the Gemara in context then is, well, here we are in a circumstance where the future seems somewhat bleak. There might be moments of bokir, there might be moments of light, but it will be followed, one of the three interpretations of Rashi, by darkness again. There might be moments of rebuilding, but there'll be another exile. If you're searching, if you're seeking for an end, if you're passionate about putting things together, you should be requesting, and in turn, says the, says the Gemara, shuvu atayu, do teshubah, and in turn, come back and be able to receive that ultimate uh, redemption. Says the Gemara, Tanami shum rav papayas, genayhu lechizkiyav siyato shelo amru shira, ad shepateha ha'aretz ve'amera shira sheneeman mikraf ha'aretz zemirot shamanu sivila sadiq vegomer. On the one hand, there was a genai, there was something uh, terrible uh, with regard, it looks bad for Hiskiah and his people that they never sang songs of praise. And this, uh, this segment, for just a line or two more in the Gemara, will speak to each of us with regards to the importance of gratitude and thankfulness. We're looking at Hiskiah, an important person, a person who brought people in a very real way, unprecedented, uh, closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as the Navi describes to us, as we remember very fondly in the Gemara. And nonetheless, he wasn't, in the eyes of the rabbis, able to appropriately respect that which was done for him. Not that he didn't appreciate it, but he didn't sing songs of praise for it. And in turn, quote unquote, says the Gemara, he lost the opportunity, we lost the opportunity of him being Mashiach. Says the Gemara, you should know, we have other circumstances of that sort where people did act right, where people did understand, but they weren't able to. Uh, my mother would love this Gemara. Be thankful, uh, be, have, show gratitude, the importance of gratitude and thankfulness of hakaratatov, the ability to turn to the other, to turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but by extension, to turn to human beings and say, thank you for something, I'm appreciative of it. That is a claim against, or the claim against Hizkiah, says the Gemara, it was against Am Yisrael as well in one shape or form after they left Egypt. After they left Egypt, Shirat Ayam, are you kidding me? They sang the praise of God in ways that were uh, unreal. I mean, you have a pro prophetic a song of praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu of Az Yashir. What they do wrong? Says the Gemara, but wait a second. Similarly. Now, again, it's not identical because Am Yisrael, whom we're about to uh, speak somewhat disparagingly against, they did sing a song of praise to God. But they didn't have a full-fledged uh, um, praise, says the Gemara. Similarly, you'll find, uh, says, says Yitro, at the beginning of Parashat, Yitro turns to Moshe and he praises God. Baruch Hashem. Who saved you from the difficulties, from the horrors and dangers of Egypt. This was a genai. This was a, uh, a detriment, a deficiency in Moshe and the 600,000 men together with him. Shelo Ameru Baruch. They didn't praise God with Baruch. They didn't bless God. Again, it's not a full-fledged uh, damning statement. They did have, this is after Shiratayam, but what's that? They spoke as Yashir. They didn't have enough in the eyes of the rabbis, again, and that's why I say this Gemara is very important because it's a full-fledged thankfulness. They were thankful, they spoke his praises, they never blessed.
They never blessed in context. And you and I might say, all right, but they did all right. It's so to speak, I gave my wife the card and she says to me, but it wasn't personal enough. But come on, honey, I went out, I bought you the card. I even wrote a personal message. Not enough. And the answer is, that's right, not enough. There's no Baruch. Now, it's not to say nobody had ever said Baruch. This is often misquoted. Every year, Parashat Yitro, one or two people come. How was it that... You know who did it to me this year? The guard uh, from uh, uh, Avenue U, Mikdash Eliyahu. No, no. no not Nidal. Nidal. Nidal said to me, who's the first person in history to say Baruch Hashem? So I said, I know you want me to say Yitro. He's a Druze. I said, but he's not the first. There's two other times prior in the Torah where we have Baruch. He's the first to say Baruch about Yisiyah Misraim. It's a common mis. Okay, anyways, this is Gemara. Ad Sheba Yitro ve'amar Baruch Hashem. So anyways, it's a claim. It's a detriment. It's a way we look negatively at Am Yisrael. And again, the message beyond speaking negatively about others is about forcing us to realize the importance, the necessity of full-fledged thankfulness and gratitude. No, no, not that I know of. Says the Gemara, well, let's read a little bit more with regards to Yitro. The Pasuk then says, Vayihad Yitro. Those are words that are difficult to translate. What is the word Vayihad? The simple interpretation, uh, Unkulus and others, is happiness, elated. That's right. Milashon Hedva, right? Vayihad, he was happy. Instead, the Gemara will have two. What's that? Interesting, that's a fourth interpretation, which I was actually taught by my rabbi in ninth grade. I did find it in some of the classical mifashim. It's not the easiest peshat in the pasuk. That's uh, Rabbi's uh, fourth peshat, because again, I will have two others, is it's a oneness. Vayichad, he feels and he realizes much against the backdrop of Hiskia uh, that we mentioned earlier is not able to see it all together. He's able to see it all together. All right, indeed. But the Gemara will have two other interpretations. Vayihad Yitro, Rav Shemuel. Rav and Shemuel had their own two interpretations. Rav Amar Shehe'evir Herev Hada Al Besarot. Melashon Had, sharpness. He took a sharp instrument and he placed it or he ran it up against his flesh. Says Rashi, he circumcised himself and he in turn converted. He had a conversion. There is a tradition among the rabbis in which they suggest Yitro in these moments was proclaiming his servitude, his alliance, his allegiance rather with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is a moment of Vayichad Yitro. He circumcised himself with something sharp. He did a berit milau Shmuel Amar. Hidudim Hidudim Kol Besaro. His entire flesh became Hidudim Hidudim. Rashi says Kematim Kematim. Kematim refers to, I think, when your, when your skin your skin kind of uh, uh, I think is that how they translate yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, that's very nice. Interesting. Because kimatim, I thought meant when you do this, you know, when you raise your, when, when you're able, when you're, you, when you wrinkle, that's the right word. Wrinkles is kimatim, generally speaking, uh, meaning, says Rashi, he feared and he was nervous about what took place to the Egyptians. That's how Rashi interprets this in the Gemara. The way I was taught it as a kid on these words, hidudim, hidudim, is that he gets chills and goosebumps and it's over his, uh, his, his perspective of what just took place. Not per se, the Gemara clear, clearly here will have it as a negative. He's nervous about, and you could get goosebumps when you're nervous about something as well. Uh, he's nervous about what happened to the Egyptians. So it's either a, and, and it's not an either or per se. Rav and Shemuel might complement one another. It's either, well, he's nervous about his kin, so to speak. We'll see in a second. It's either he feels as a result an immediate, uh, intuitive allegiance with God, he does a bidit milah, he accepts the yoke of heaven. Alternatively, he's looking and thinking about what happened to the Egyptians, 
and it's a little difficult for him. Amar Rav, says Rav, in following up this statement, this is what people say about, in general, this is uh, an adage of the times, if there's a convert, until 10 generations after conversion, don't make fun of, don't speak disparagingly about non-Jews in front of them. In other words, even if Yitro left his Midianim uh, clan, even if he's now joining, if he is, Am uh, Yisrael in this moment, he's still a little bit nervous about what's taking place to those outside of the camp, outside of uh, Am Yisrael. What's with the je- 10 generations? So you might say this is what people say, and we're looking at Yitro, even if he's first generation. Rabbi Akiva Eger on the side of the page is Misayin to Rabbeinu Behaye. Rabbeinu Behaye suggests that Yitro may have been 10 generations uh, removed. 10 generations from what? From Misraim, which was perhaps his lineage, who was the son of Ham. So if you go all the way up, he's 10 generations from then, and that's why the Gemara mentions 10 generations. Either way, you slice it. The statement in the Gemara is a true one even when people distance themselves from something or someone or some place I'm sure any addict or, or former addict will tell you this as well they don't want to hear you speaking one way or another about that lifestyle uh, too, too quickly even if I mean it even if they've distanced themselves from it it's still a little difficult to hear others uh, around them speaking wrongfully or or terribly about maybe an origin or a circumstance that was difficult it says the Gemara onward this is with regards to Hiskiyah and his, his circumstances. Uh, Hiskiyah is going to be ambushed, is going to be taken over by Sanhedev. But in the initial stages of being taken over by Sanhedev, Am Yisrael will have miracles performed for them, and Sanhedev's troops are going to be miraculously, not decimated, but killed off. And the Pasuk in that context writes the following. Again, why is this appearing in our Gemara? Because we were talking about Hiskiyah earlier, right? That's what we talked about earlier on the page on this Amut. says the Pasuk, just the simple interpretation of the Pasuk. So it talks about how in Mishmanav, Shamin means fat, Razon means skinny. Something amongst the fat ones, a skinny one will come. The Hachamim will not read it as fat and skinny, although in a little bit, Mishmanav might refer to the fat, strong generals. But at this point, the Gemara will read those words differently. Milashon Shimona, eight. And the Pasuk says so something about the Shimanav, uh, Razon, and Tahat Kevodo, hard words to translate as well, under his honor, Yekad Yekod, that's a reference to some sort of fighting, excuse me, fire, Kikod Esh, something will be lit up. And it's a description in its most basic sense, broadest sense, of how there's going to be a fire in some way that erupts amongst the troops of Bavil as they're encamping next to Am Yisrael and they're going to be killed off. So this is a prophecy of what's to come. Hezgiah and his people, you're not in such imminent danger yet because God's going to handle the troops of Sanhedrin. But let's make a derasha on this pasuk as we go with it. It says the Gemara, my bemishmanav. What's this reference to the fat ones or the eight ones? Amar HaKadosh Baruch who has eight names will come in this moment and unknowingly 
uh, take care of and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and do away with, well, initially do away with, Sanherev, who also has eight names. Pause for a second before the Gemara details what these eight names are. What's with the idea of eight in this context? What's the idea with different names? Eight is representative, oftentimes, if not always, of that above nature circumstance and reality. Birit Milaz on the eighth day, it's when we take our bodies and with an allegiance to Akados Baruch Hu, elevated above, above nature, the eight days of Hanukkah, or the Ba'alei Mahshava like to point out as well. The aid is representative of that miracle, the above nature circumstance of Nes Hanukkah. Eight will, if you trace it through much of our history, heritage, and tradition, represent the above nature circumstance. If Hiskiah was supposed to be, as the Gemara says earlier, quote-unquote, Melech HaMashiach. If Sanherev was supposed to be, quote-unquote, the Gogu Magog rep- representative, it's not so far-fetched in turn for the rabbis to be attributing the two of them to being, quote-unquote, above nature. One is above nature in his righteousness, in his stature, and the other one in evil stature with regards to the negativity against the nation. That's what we're envisioning. Again, in, in envisioning uh, Sanherev in his evil nature, as quote-unquote above nature, as standing apart, as unique and distinct, is not so crazy. We find in this past week's parasha with Bil'am, the rabbis call attention to this. Jesse Salem did in Sa'udash Lishita as well. And that is, you'll find similar, almost identical descriptions of Bil'am to Abraham Avinu. He's waking in the morning, he's sat on his donkeys, and so on and so forth. Many of the scriptures, the Hachamim calls specific attention to him waking up early in the morning like Abraham Avinu. What's with that? You're envisioning and you're realizing a person on the opposite end of the spectrum acting in an identical fashion. That's the eight names of Sanherev, of Chizkiah. The two of them are above and beyond distinct and unique with regards to their domain. Says the Gemara, what are these eight names? Chizkiah Dichtiv. Hiskiah, the pasuk which will describe his eight names, is Kieled Yulad Lanu Ben Nitan Lanu Vatehiha Misra Ashikmo Vayikra Vayikra Shemo. Here's his name: Pele Yoetz El Gibor Aviad Sar Shalom. Count up those several names. You'll have eight names. So Hiskiah has eight names. Says the Gemara. But wait a second. There's a ninth one. What's the ninth one? Hiskiah. You gave me a lot of names. None of them are Hiskiah. Vehatika. Hezkiah, isn't there an eight, ninth name? So it was really nice. You mentioned Mishmanav was referenced to the eight names of Hezkiah, eight names of Sanherev, but Hezkiah has more than just eight names. Eight names in the initial description after his birth, but a ninth name as Hezkiah. Says the Gemara, that wasn't his real name. That was, so to speak, his nickname. His real names were eightfold. Hezkiah is how he emerged. How so? Shechizdeko ka. God gave him strength. Hezkiah. Strength from God. How did God give him strength? To go up against Sanherev. Davaraher, alternatively, instead of the God strength, good morning, instead of the God strength, it's his strength to the people. Either way you slice it, uh, to the people vis-a-vis uh, their direction to God. Either way you slice it, the name Hezkiah is, so to speak, a name that he inherited after, afterwards, either from God's strength to him or alternatively, maybe just as importantly, the strength that he gave to others toward God. Says the Gemara, what are the eight names of Sanherev? We said it's eight against eight. We got our eight guy going up against our eight guy. Dichtiv, and here it's a little bit disjointed, these Pesukim. You'll have to hang on with me for a moment or two. The Pasuk says, on the one hand, his name is Tiglat Pilesir. So there's a name number one. And then the next Pasuk that we're going to read is referring to him as Pilneesir. All right, and then we have the next Pasuk going to describe him as 
Shalman Eser. Well, we got this Eser going on. Then the next Pasuk will refer to him as Fool. And then the next Pasuk will refer to him as Sargon. And then the next Pasuk, or, yeah, so the next pasuk will refer to him as as Esnapar. Okay, there you have it. Eight. As says the Gemara. Oh, excuse me. Esnapar Raba Viakira. Okay, that's all in that same pasuk. So that's that. Fills it out, you had six plus those last two. All right, those last two are a little bit difficult to understand. We're referring to them as the great and, and uh, uh, Yakar and, and uh, dis- distinct one. Okay, anyway, he got eight names. We'll talk about those at some point. Got eight names for Sanhedrin, says the Gemara. But wait a second, each of those eight names is different than the one name that we always refer to him as, and that is Sanhedrin or Sanhedrin. The Ha'ika Sanhedrin, don't we have that name? Says uh, the Kamara, that was a nickname, just like Hiskia nickname. It was a name he inherited afterwards. How so? What did it mean? Shesihato Riv. Either Sihato Milashon Sihai, even though we would spell it with a scene, sometimes the Samech and Sin get mixed up. His speech was Riv, it provoked fighting. We'll read a little bit about that onward in the Gemara with regards to how he sends a person to speak to Am Yisrael in their language and bring them to almost infighting and a vision of understanding that maybe there's... Well, we'll see. Sihato Riv. What's that? Rabble rouser with his mouth. Davara Her Shesach V'Niher Easy, Eli. Shesach V'Niher Devarim Sheleris Yisrael Alternatively, he spoke and he snorted matters, excuse me, kelape against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So his speech and his cursing and his, so to speak, snorting was against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's siyah riv against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Amar Biyohanan, mepene mazacha oto rasha likroto esnaper. Why is it that this rasha got a name in which he's referred to as Ravavi Yakira? He's great and he's fine or he's refined. What was great about him? I don't understand. He's a person who rebelled against God, quote-unquote, who challenged us, who, who destroyed us. I understand, but was he an important individual? Would you refer to Paro as a rabba v'yakira? Is he an individual who's uh, distinct and high up? Says the Gemara, there was something special about Sanherib or Sanherib. Because he didn't speak wrongfully against Eres Israel. Now the Gemara will, in its ensuing lines, describe the following, it'll understand that Sanherev's vision and what he put into effect was at the time of conquering and conquest, what he did was he would take nations and he would displace them. He wasn't annihilating. He would displace in order to gain control. He displaced them. As a result, he turns to the ten nations during this time period of Am Yisrael and he speaks about the other land that he'll bring them to as a place which is paramount or is, is, is parallel rather to Eris Yisrael. He doesn't say it's better than the land you're in. He says it's just as good. Say the rabbis, wait a second. What's that? Not all that much. He would fight and conquer, and then he would take the nation and displace. This is what's described in the Navi. As a result, in speaking to them, instead of, he could have sold them on a, a better bill of goods. He could have said to them, I have a better land for you. Make your way there. He says it's just as good. Now, the Gemara will say that was either really smart or really stupid. Uh, we'll talk about that in the ensuing lines of the Gemara. But at this juncture, says the Gemara, there's something positive to that. Whatever his plan, whatever his reason for talking that way was, there is something positive about 
about that. Look at that. He didn't speak disparagingly about Eretz Yisrael. That in and of itself makes him Rava Akir. He's an important individual who's, uh, so to speak, a little bit elevated in his speech and thought just because he's not able to and doesn't bring himself to talking down and against something that is precious and unique. Eretz Yisrael, Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.